Welcome to the Bend ICOC podcast, where we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Don't forget to leave us a review and a rating, and thank you very much for listening. Hey there, everybody. I just want to give you a brief welcome and introduction to our June series on John 15, which we're calling Fruit That Lasts. Because we're changing up our Sunday format for this series, so you're actually going to hear small 10-minute sermons for the rest of this podcast. What we're doing on Sunday morning is we're breaking into discovery groups where we ask seven or eight questions so that we can obey the Word of God. And we'll do that for about 35, 40 minutes and then have a brief teaching afterwards to lead us into communion. And what that does is it helps people to respond to God's Word. It allows the Holy Spirit to be the teacher for them to be inspired and convicted by the word of the Lord and then to live it out. And then by me teaching after that, I can just give context and encouragement and inspiration to empower people to to follow through with what they already feel inspired by. That way it's not Joey said or, hey, our subject matter expert says to do this, so let's rely on him alone. I actually really enjoy stepping back and letting God be the teacher on these Sundays. It was great to hear feedback from some of the guests. They said that by the questions, they really felt empowered. They gained some confidence that they're able to speak about God with other people. That's a huge step in faith. I I loved hearing. So the series we're going to go through starts off with Chosen on June 5th, coming from John 15, verses 16 through 17. Then we'll talk about a bountiful life on June 12th from John 15, 7 through 8. Then we'll talk about how less is more on June 19th from John 15, 1 through 6. Finally, we'll talk about nourishment through connection on June 26th from John 15, verses 11 through 15. And we have two goals with this John 15 series. Number one, we want to be deeply rooted deeply rooted in Christ, and in turn, rooted and connected with one another. Number two, I I want this series to teach us how to persevere until the end, to to be the fruit that lasts, one another, to get there to heaven. Now, let me just share with you the questions for our discovery group so you know how we're approaching this material. And I'll say this, we just got through a Sermon on the Mount series, Matthew 5 through 7, We had multiple brothers in the church preach on it. We had a reading plan. We had daily video devotionals. We taught and taught and taught. And that series concluded with Decisions, a sermon by Alejandro. And he pointed out how we we can't be posers. God calls us to a decision to build our house on the rock, to obey his word and bear fruit. Jesus is very clear. And that's a great transition into John 15. Obedience comes up about 15 times during Jesus's discourse at the Last Supper, and love comes up even more than that. So that's really what a discovery group is. It's a safe context where we can love one another and lovingly call one another to obey God. And here's the questions. Number one, we first review what happened last week, and then we go into this week's material. So first we ask, hey, what are you guys thankful for this week? And we ask, hey, what's stressing you out? And immediately that gives us praises, prayer requests, ways to minister to one another, to really connect with one another. Next, we ask, uh, how do you do on last week's I will statement? Your commitment to change, your decision, 
your way that you're going to obey God last week. How did you do with that? And people know just by us asking that question in the group that there's a little bit of accountability throughout the week to see it through. Next, we ask, who did you share it with? And that could be their obedience, I will statement. It could be the scripture from last week. It could be something that was said by the speaker in the sermon. It could be what they're learning about God. It could be how they're living it out. But we want to be sharing this with other people because the gospel has to be contagious. Then we're going to get into today's scripture. We're going to retell today's passage in our own words after we've read it in one or two different Bible translations. And this will help us practice uh, correcting one another with what does the word of God actually say? If we retell it in our own words and it's something that's not actually in the passage, someone else in the group can say, hey, where does it say that in this passage? Fourth question, what stands out to you? There's sticky statements. There's ways that the Holy Spirit jumps off the page and speaks to people, and we want to pull that out. Question five, what does this say about God? It helps us learn the attributes of God to make him a real person for us. And question six, what does this say about people? Discipleship is all about relationships. We need to know, know about one another. Question seven, if this is God speaking, how will you obey it this week? This is God speaking to us through his word. So how will I respond? And we like to form an I will statement from that. We like to remind people about SMART goals. Is it specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time bound? Uh, if people say something general like I'm just going to love people, uh, we'll say, hey, that's great. What will that look like in the next 12 to 24 hours? What's something you could do? Well, say, hey, that's great. So next week when we ask you how you loved other people, what would that look like? What's an example? How could you give the Holy Spirit more opportunity to work? The more specific and tangible our I will statements are, the more likely we are to live them out. And finally, question number eight, who will you share it with? Either another disciple that you want to share it with in a discipleship time or perhaps somebody who's lost, perhaps a family member you need to connect with, and you want to just tell them about the sermon, tell them about how you're obeying it, or tell them about that passage in the Bible. Maybe they need to hear, like today's sermon, that God chose them and is seeking after them. So those are our discovery group questions. We split up to two or three tables every Sunday and run through those over a passage until people know how they're going to live it out. It's much more about transformation rather than information. It's much more about connection rather than content. And it's much more about equipping people rather than attracting them to some kind of a venue. So please be praying with us for people to be impacted by that, for the Lord and the Holy Spirit to be working, and for people to be inspired and motivated by the Word of God and what He's teaching us through this series and now we're going to get into that 10-minute short sermon on John 15, 16 through 17. All right, guys, we're going to go into our sermon. Sorry to cut you off. I'll say, uh, that's okay. <laughs> that means that you hit some good stuff. You hit some good stuff. We, we heard some good stuff. You know, we're all getting used to it and getting used to these questions 
Um, so I'm just going to talk for eight, ten minutes. This is going to be lightning, inspiration, encouragement, context that you, whatever you came to conclude at your table, in your study, you can do it. You can do it this week. So our sermon, well, that's to welcome, but our sermon, Discovery Groups, Chosen, in verses 16 and 17. I'm not going to read these verses, but man, this is super important, just to give context. Apostle John wrote 21 chapters for his gospel. At the end, he said, hey, like all the books in the world can't even contain what Jesus did. But I chose very specific and important things to put in these 21 chapters. And five of them are in the account that Jesus gives in the Last Supper, this super intimate and private conversation. Scholars say that this is perhaps the most important conversation of all the gospels. So a whole quarter of his gospel takes place in this conversation where we hit John 15. It's important, right? Very important. And you think of what they're going through. So that's just maybe the literary context, but Jesus came into Jerusalem. They're all preparing for the Passover feast. They're all worshiping him, throwing their coats down, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then in John 12, he gives his last public speech. He says, hey, I'm here to bring light and salvation. But also he says, uh, judgment. But not me, the, the words I've spoken to you will be the judge. And they don't like that so much. Which also gives importance that what we're reading, John 15, these words are what we're going to be judged by. He gave that importance in John 12. And then preparing for Passover, you have the Last Supper. You know, Leonardo da Vinci painting, right? They're all sitting on one side of the table. It probably didn't look like that. Don't think about that for this context. Shouldn't have even brought it up. But they're sitting around the table. Jesus takes the low point in John 13, and he, he starts talking about love each other, and he gives them a tangible example, like we were talking about today, right? How could you obey this love each other thing? Well, Jesus gets up from the table and starts washing their feet, and he just immediately lives it out. And Peter gets all weirded out by that. It's just incomprehensible that our Lord would do that. And uh, John's sitting right next to him, and all of a sudden it gets super weird, this dinner, because he's like, Jesus is going to betray me. And in, or no, he says, someone will. And then Peter gets John to ask Jesus. He's like, ask him who? And then he takes off. Judas does. And so this, this dinner where Jesus is talking and giving us these words, it's super inspiring, but also super weird, <laughs> but also super encouraging, because he tells them like, hey, I'm preparing a place for you in my father's house. And you can start to hear, and I really encourage everyone, read John 13 through 17 over this next month, because it's all one big, long account. You can tell by their questions that they're super afraid, because they keep asking him things, and they, like, they don't really get it. They're like, wait. In fact, he tells them, where I'm going, you guys can't go. They're like, what? We've been following you for three years, and you're about to ditch us? What's going on here? So it's with all of that emotion that we get these words. All of that emotion when they're afraid and consternation is high. And, they're, and think about it. They're about to have extreme persecution. He tells Peter, you're about to deny me. And he picks his words carefully to give them vision, to inspire them. He doesn't give in to the fear, to encourage them. And he tells them this, you are chosen. Same thing for us today when we're feeling those emotions, when you're afraid, when you're anxious. Jesus says, you are chosen. 
You're chosen. That's the truth for us to live out. And I'm just going to give us three quick ways in the next five minutes of why we are chosen. We started talking about that at our table. So there's all of our context. But that, that feels so great, right? That Jesus chose you. Nadio's talking about how that's an awesome feeling. To be picked. When you're on the lineup for the kickball team, right? And when you're picked first, that feels good. And when you're picked last, you're like, I'm not picked. Uh, you're stuck with me, you know? <laughs> and that's a bad feeling. Well, Jesus, he reverses it. Like if, name some awesome athletes out there. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady, I don't know. If Jesus was looking at all of them, he would say, no, it's not about talent. It's not about big and great. It's about I'm choosing you. That's a special feeling. If you have a spouse, the love of your life, or if there's one to be in the future, you can imagine what it feels like for someone to say, I choose you. I love you. And to make that commitment to you, right? We all know this feeling when you're picked for that college application, for that job. For me as a thespian, I got the part in the play and I start crying, you know. (laughs) The guy who walked on water as a thespian, the guy who chose you before time began, who rose from the dead, the guy who never made a mistake, the guy who angels and demons cower at chose you for three reasons. One... Jesus chose you because he loved you. Nation of Israel struggled with that too, really struggled with that. They were supposed to be a light to the world. They were chosen by God to represent the kingdom, to glorify him. They really struggled with that. He said, hey, because I committed to you and I love you, that is why you are chosen. Aren't you guys glad that God isn't going back on his commitment? It's unconditional. He chooses to love you. Yes, there's that emotion, but hey, I am committed to you. Just like I love Thaddeus who's out there. Thanks, bro. (laughs) Aren't you glad that God isn't going back on his choice? Same for, you you can hear that in John 15, Jesus' disciples. Hey, I chose you guys. So when you're about to be persecuted, when you're about to go through all that stuff, When you even are about to deny me, remember that I still chose you knowing that you're about to deny me. And Jesus chose you guys before you messed up or before you did something good to earn any affection. He chose you way before that because he loves you. To you, he might say, I didn't choose you because of what you can do for me. I chose you because of what I can do through you when you're connected to the vine. He chose you because you make him happy. Ephesians 1 says, before time began, just for the good pleasure of his will, Jesus thought about you, Amanda, Jesse, Alejandro, and everyone else in this room, and he thought about you, your weird, your realness, your good stuff, your everything, and me and my weird. I'm just saying, every single part of you and the real you. And he said, uh, that gives me pleasure. That makes me happy. I pick that one. That's what we learned from Ephesians 1. And sometimes we mess that up because then we go, am I making God happy? Ephesians 5 says that if we're going to be the light to the world, that we should consider what pleases God. And sometimes we go, well, maybe I'm not pleasing God. And we guilt trip ourselves. But remember, he chose you before you even had an opportunity to guilt trip yourself. Right, guys? Yeah. Sometimes we turn into that Eeyore. I'm not making my boss happy. 
I'm not making my parents happy, my friends happy, my church happy. I'm just mourning and raining on everyone's parade. So I'm probably not making God happy. God probably thinks I'm not great. God's like, I chose you way before you felt any of those things. What are you talking about? (laughs) And you make me happy. It's important for us to remember that when we get low. That's why he chose you. Lastly, and I love this one. I always look at this and I'm like, God chose me because I'm not smart. (laughs) He chose the weak things of the world to shame the wise. And this isn't an excuse to be like, oh, I'm going to be ignorant because God chose. No, that's not what God is saying. Actually, God takes the humble and he makes them great, according to scripture. When he works through you, because it's through his greatness and it's glorifying him. But it says in 1 Corinthians 1 right here, it says he chose you to shame the strong and the powerful and the mighty to glorify him and his wisdom. And I would just point out in conclusion that in John chapter 9, so right before John 15, Jesus heals a blind man with the Pharisees right next to him. And the Pharisees are like, how could you choose this blind man who's good for nothing and probably sinned? And they're super entitled and deserving. And they're like, you should give us your time and attention. And we really got it going on. And uh, Jesus does not choose them. Because often when we think I deserve and I'm entitled and I should be chosen, God doesn't choose that person. God chooses the humble. Not those who are blinded by their entitlement and religiosity to the point that they can't even see that it's God who chose them before they ever performed or before they ever messed up. The people who think they should be chosen for God's team are usually the worst candidates. God chooses the humble to shame the wise. Think Paul, for example. He's the worst guy ever. Murdering Christians, God made him great. God takes ordinary people, makes them extraordinary. What's the significance of that? When we sit around these tables and we respond to and obey God's word, remember this week that he chose you and appointed you to do something through you. You're not earning anything when you respond in obedience, but responding to and obeying his word It's not about what you can do. It's about what God can do through you as you're connected to the vine. In fact, it's impossible for you to do something without God this week. But you can give opportunity for God to work and for the Holy Spirit to work through you. Aren't you guys glad that God chose you? Chooses everyone who is willing, Acts 17, to reach back to him. That came up at our table. Guys, that's the message today. It's the same message in John 15 when his disciples were fearful and worried and down and out and stuck in the fog and feeling guilt. And it's the message to you anytime you feel those same things and when you feel those things this week. It's his message to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that lasts. Doesn't it feel good to be chosen? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It would mean so much to us if you were to leave us a review and a rating for our podcast so that this message can reach others. Thank you.